Hey, this is uh, uh, Jay Horowitz with the latest edition of Amazing Mental on my podcast. My special guest this week is Bobby Jones. Bobby, welcome and thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Good to hear from you, Jay. Bobby, next month, coming up to your 20th anniversary, you're probably without a doubt the, the best postseason game ever pitched by a Mets player. Um, game four of the division series, um, one hit shutout against the Giants, retired uh, the, the side in order, eight and nine innings, only a Jeff Kent double in the fifth inning. Bobby, what were you thinking about warming up that Sunday day? I think it was a Sunday. You know, Benny Agriani giving us a, a, a two to one lead um, going in. Did you feel? Did you, did you think it was going to happen? Was going to happen? Or how did how did you feel warming up that day? You know, honestly, Jay, I felt just like just as I normally do. Um, didn't seem to have anything special, you know, at that point. But you know, as the game kind of progressed. Uh, it got a little more intense, and the situation was uh, obviously it was a it was a huge game for us to win, and ho- hopefully not have to fly to San Francisco and play the next day. But um, yeah, just you know, it seemed like I had really good command, and then the mistakes I made, the balls were hit right at people, or some great plays were made in the, in the field behind me. And that was a pretty good lineup, you know, with, with Bonds and Kent. So I mean, when did you feel into the game? This is going to be a special day. First, second, third, fourth, and it was in. When did you feel this was going to be special? I think probably after the last out was made. I mean, you know. Okay, it, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, any, anything could happen. And, you, you know, as well as I do, you can pretty much tell early on if I was going to be okay or not. You know, I've had, I've had when I, it seemed like when I got into trouble, it was always early in the game. So I think as, yeah. as I, as I got into the groove a little bit better, I, you know, I get a little better feel for my delivery and pitches and um, not to say that, you know, nothing can Something can happen late in the game, but um, you know we had a pretty good lead there at that point, and um, you know we had a plenty of guys in the bullpen ready to go if, if I got into trouble. Yeah, probably what you accomplished is really a side story to that. I mean, at the end of the '99 season, you're left off the postseason roster, which had to be a disappointment for you. And you start the 2000 season. I think your ERA might have been in double figures the first three starts. And you go to the minors for maybe a, a, couple, a couple of starts. So then at the end of the year, you turn in and turn in by pitching like you did. What happened? What What did you work on? We went to the minors. What was wrong in the beginning of the year that year that you, that you corrected? Well, it was just command, really. Um, you know, and, and I wasn't an overpowering pitcher by any means. I, I needed to be able to hit those spots consistently. And if I didn't, you know, it was just I was doomed. I mean, it was, it was not good. But, yeah, it was – you know, it was a good thing. It was, I didn't have to take that assignment to go down to AAA, but I really needed to. I knew I wasn't helping the team at that point. I think I just got roughed up at Yankee Stadium and, and um, you know, I called in and they asked me, hey, will you go down and work on work on some stuff? And I said, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, at this level, it's not the place to go out and work on, on fixing your issues. So I can go to, you know, to Norfolk and a little less of an environment and just, you know, work on stuff without affecting, you know, my big league team. So that was just what I had to do. And I felt it was, it was the right thing to do. And I'm glad that, you know, the coaching staff asked me to do that. And it helped me tremendously because I think I came back and I was 11 and two or something like that the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, and you went up pitching the gym and the, uh, and I, you know, the world series, I've always felt that the 2000 team was probably the most unappreciated team in Mets history. You know, we win 94 games. We really do well in the, in the postseason, uh, and we lose to the Yankees 
a, a great Yankee team in five games, I think, in four games by a total of five runs. And you lost, I think the game you lost was a three to two game. I mean, how, how was it pinching in the, in the Subway Series, you know, Mets, Yankees, and big crowds and everything? It was unbelievable. I still remember how, you know, the uh, Subway Series, how much the hype there was. But not only that, but the excitement in the area of the fans, both sides, non-baseball fans were fired up because this was just going to be, you know, one of those great things that, who knows? I mean, how, you know, how often does that happen? You know, it's like the two Bobby J or Bobby Jones is pitching against, you know, one another. I and mean, that stuff just is, is rare. But it was the excitement of the city and the surrounding area of New York and, and just great for not only players, but also the fans and 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 even non-baseball fans. We lost the first game in extra innings. Who knows if we won that first game, it could have been a different thing. Bobby, one another of your highlights, 1997, you win 15 games, go to the All-Star game, and you strike out uh, – Griffey and Mark McGuire and winning in the eighth inning. You know, talk about how much of a thrill that must have been for you. Yeah, that was. I mean, just, you know, as a player in general, one of those things is you always think about, you know, that'd be great to make an all-star team. And fortunately, that that was one of my, you know, probably better seasons. And I and I, and I I was chosen. Still remember coming in the dugout because I was, you know, I was a little nervous and was fairly young at that time. But I remember coming in and sitting down and just going, phew, that was kind of cool, you know. And Kurt Schilling looks over me and goes, you know what? Because I had my, my youngest son at that time, and he goes, well, that's one son that's going to be able to go to his buddies and say, my dad struck out McGuire and Crane Griffey Jr. back-to-back. Yeah, it's that's pretty good. That's it's pretty good. That's, yeah, something's always kind of stuck with me. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. You live in Fresno still, right? In the same area in Fresno? I do. You went to Fresno High School, the high school of another famous med grade, Tom Seaver. I mean, and I remember you told me the other day that you – you know, pitched in the uh, in the Hall of Fame game in 1992 when Tom got inducted. Did you have much chance, any much by play with Tom at all when he were around and when he did TV work, or how much by play did you have with him? Yeah, yeah, I got to um, spend some good time with him, and he was you know on the field a lot um, there in spring training, and you know us being Fresno boys and Fresno High boys, you know we kind of got to spend some good time together talking pitching and and uh, you know just just general life. I mean, we both had. Uh, passions about wine and wine making so um terrible thing then he's gonna be sadly missed but uh, i mean what a fantastic human being as well as a as a pitcher he was Bobby, you talk about wine i know since you left baseball you become like a business person and then early on you uh bottled wine so what what kind of wine did you do well, I got with a group of people who knew what they were doing and kind of just had fun with it. You know, it's 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 almost like pitching to me. It's a chemistry on on how this living thing evolves and what what the process is to making it um, something that you'll enjoy. You know, years down the road, uh, we did it more for fun. So it was you know we we do a wine or two every year and we hand it out to people and then have some for ourselves just to to say you know what this is we made this and. I mean, it's just a really a fun process learning how you go from grapes to something fantastic living in this bottle. And now I've kind of switched gears and don't do that much anymore, but I, I have a, a barbecue sauce line out called 142 Barbecue. Tell me, how did you arrive at that name? Well, one, I have a partner and 142 is just something that, well, the mean, the true meaning of 142, according to some of the top chefs that the 142 is like the overall red meat temperature. And I know that varies for somebody, but I, and I think it might even be a slightly different number, but it, that 142 had a better ring to it. And there's so many barbecue sauces 
on the market shelves that we needed something to where even if you didn't remember the number, you could say, oh, it's that one with a number on it. You know, there's only one barbecue sauce that's a number. So that's another just, you know, our thought process of shelf space and people looking for something that's going to stand out to them. And it's not just, you know, this another name you know, Bob's barbecue sauce or something like that, you know? And now I know you told me too, you could have, you tried to sell it all over the country. If a Met fans wanted to, you know, get a hold of Bobby Jones's barbecue, how would they do that? Well, we just got approved for Amazon. So we're going through the process now of exactly how things got to be packaged and for their, for their shipping, different things that they have to have from us. So we're working that out now, but hopefully in the next few months, then we'll be, we'll be, uh, available at Amazon for anybody. So we, we, we sell it like in, 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 you know, like in grocery stores or, uh, I mean, how, why would a distribution be? Well, every, every grocery store is kind of a little different, you know, there's, whether they're in the West coast or East coast, but we have some here locally in some little mom and pop stores, some, you know, individual meat markets, the whole process of getting into a grocery store chain where our products are a little expensive. So it's kind of, I don't know if it'll do well. It's more of a specialty shop sauce because it is a lot of honey and the price of honey has just skyrocketed lately. So we're going to stick to probably specialty stores and, like I said, wholesale on Amazon. Bobby, tell me, being out in California, Fresno, how are the, the fires affected where you live? Are they, how close is everything? It's just awful what you see on TV and it's just terrible, all the, the loss and stuff like that. I mean, how is it? Is it by you? It is. Yeah, it's really close to us. It's probably 30 miles from where I live. And, you know, we're, we live in a valley, so the smoke just settles here. I mean, and there's days where you don't see the sun um, and there's not a cloud in the sky here in California. But, yeah, there's fires up and down all over, you know, the West Coast and uh, a lot of people displaced from their homes and it's just a terrible thing. So hopefully uh, we did get a little rain this morning so hopefully it's given the firefighters some a little bit of a break and will help to you know ease and get some of these fires put out yeah, I mean that's crazy I mean so it's not really that close to you though I mean I mean you're, you you never had any thought you might have to evacuate right I mean uh, no not us we're in the city but we're we're at the base of the of the mountain so um, right you know if it got down to the down to us I mean it would just there's no other vegetation for it to burn it would just you know find its way out. Um, but I know plenty of people, a lot of friends who have cabins and second homes up in those areas that uh, are not sure if those homes are, are lost or and, and, you know, they're obviously not letting yeah. anybody up there. So some most people, all, just about all the people yeah. in our area are evacuated and they're, you know, down at shelters and, and living yeah. here and down. Yeah, it's terrible. Bob, do you, what do you think of the rule, these rule changes in baseball, like the, D, you know, the, you know, DH, you know, the pitchers can't hit. You know, second guy go to second base in the extra innings and that kind of stuff. Do you old school, new school? What's your feeling on that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't, I don't really like it. I think it. Hopefully, it's just a, a COVID thing. <laughs> and uh, once we're, we're all back to normal here, we go back to the old old way of uh, of baseball and the way way it should be played. You you really didn't have any pitch counts when you pitch, right? It wasn't like five innings, you know, 50 pitches, you're out of the game. I mean, that's a whole new thing where the, where the starters don't pitch, you know, complete games are not the thing of anything going on anymore for pitchers, starters, bro. Yeah, no, our, we were, we were, you know, 130 pitches. And if you sometimes if you knew somebody on the clicker, you go over there and if you're getting up there a little, little close, you're trying to rewind that thing a little bit. <laughs> Heck, I remember Dallas, Dallas Green, I think in 94, I think I pitched 10 innings twice. <laughs> with Dallas Green, <laughs> really? Yeah, I remember one game. David Cohn pitched like 155 pitchers or 
or, or something like that, you know. But no, I'm just saying it's just a great, you know, I, the 20 years I can't lose. I guess we had, a, you know, it was a great bunch of guys on that 2000 team. It wasn't, you know, except for Mike, we didn't really have superstar superstars. You know, with you know Jay Payton's, the Timo Perez's of the world. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, Rick Reed came in. Dennis Cook was a, you know, it won 94 games, and I, I just wish that. You know, maybe had won that first game and things. You know, we didn't win the World Series, but it really shouldn't have diminished what the team accomplished for that year. It was a really tremendous year. Yeah, it was a fabulous year. And I mean, you know, just Fonzie, the year he had. But yeah, you know, right. You know, we we got nothing to hold our heads about. We lost to a phenomenal Yankees team across town. Yeah. There, so I still remember in Mike's ball in game five. You know, I think we're losing by went went to center field and Bernie Williams caught and said, "Come on, get out, get out, get out." It didn't get out. It didn't. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. Well, listen, I, your family's healthy. Every Chrissy's good. Everybody's good. All's good here, Jay. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate your time, and maybe you know we wanted to bring it back this year for the alumni thing. Maybe next year we can do it when God willing things are a little bit back to normal and we can, you know, go, come and visit City Field and with your whole family. We're looking forward to that. And again, Bobby, thank you for your time and I uh, appreciate everything. And, and tell Christy I said hi. Thank you, Jay. My pleasure. Good to talk to you and uh, stay safe out there. Tell me, Bobby. Thank you. Good luck with the barbecue stuff. Thank you. Thank you.